0: Who let the press in? Kids are witness. Witness is taking notes, huh? Interesting. What do we have here? I took two rounds through the wood. Through the wood? You mean the door was closed? That's interesting. Excuse me. Could I have a word with you? Uh, Yeah. M. L. Alric, Detroit Free Press. Yes, formerly the Fox Fox Two. I'm a fan. Let me put it this way. I am familiar with some of the pieces that you've written about my department. Oh, right. The story on the false positives at the CSI lab a few years back. Hit below the belt. I was green. Weren't we all? Well, I've learned a lot since then. So, uh, you have any idea what caliber bullet... How this works is I ask you the questions and you provide me with the information. So let's start with what you're doing here i keeping my finger on the drug field pulse of Detroit. Sounds like a byline. Mike was hooking me up for an expose. He works for a district councilman. People love stories of urban blight. Makes them feel human. But not you, though, huh? What did you find? I believe that this is your pen cab, isn't it? When did you have time to take notes? Uh, after I called the police. Oh, Really? Was Mike still alive? Of course not. What do you think I am? I think that you are a man in search of a story.
1: <laughs> you asked me to trust my Detroit. It's gone. What are, you what are you doing? What are you doing? That is not painful by them. That is painful by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, M.L. I'm not qualified for this job. Hey, Tyson, you, you want to go right now? Okay, you want to go right now, Why Well, I, I, I don't want to say that was an epic intro, but that's all the time we have this week on Solo Detroit. I'd like to thank our special guest, Dare Nichols. Of course, Mark, Sean, Matt, give, and give Joey. Me
2: a, give me a break. You have picked way longer intros than and, that one. Back me up, Sean.
1: And please uh, make sure that you patronize Sir Speedy by Altis. Go to the butchery, call Luke Har-har. Nowacki. and refinance with Luke Nowaki. Cyrus!
3: I back you up, Mark. Thank Cyrus. You. I mean his whole his, every time on, he talks is an hour-long intro. You know what I mean? S-
1: S- Cyrus. Can you was, dig that?: <laughs> Stan, Stand by, Cyrus. Cyrus is ready to go. Of course, Cyrus was just shot in a park, <laughs> uh, allegedly by the Warriors, and uh, actually, you know who it was who shot Cyrus was a kid from the East Side, that actor who also got thrown off a cliff by Arnold Schwarzenegger.
3: And the intro continues.
1: <laughs> I know he complains about little, it being
3: too long. A little the, skinny guy. It's a little wretched, and Mark.
1: Yeah. Anyways, hey kids, it's your old pal M.L. Eric, here on the stool of oh, Detroit there he is. Uh, with Mark Fellhauer, uh, uh, Sean Windsor, um, <laughs> Joe Zuvers. There, he's wisely uh, staying out of the fray. Uh, Matt Jennings is uh, either hooking up uh, with some g- diesel fuel or sniffing it from a can. I'm not sure. Or whatever he does to get up for the game. And uh, We'll be joined in just a minute by Darren Nichols, who has become uh, a contributing columnist at the Free Press and is becoming a regular contributor to the Soul of Detroit, especially today because I want to talk about Labor Day. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we're two days off. If you're watching us now live on Facebook, we really appreciate it. But yesterday was Labor Day, a very important day to those of us who owe a lot of what we have to labor unions. Uh, Some people like labor unions because of the benefits. They think that uh, good health care, they think that wages, they think that things such as being able to be fired only for cause rather than because somebody just doesn't like the way you look are important. But the reason why I've always felt very good about giving a portion of my hard-earned money to labor unions is because of the freedom of speech that they guarantee. I've worked in a couple places where we did not have a labor union, And let me tell you, people are so unhappy there and they are so reluctant to speak their mind because they don't have that ability to be candid, to be open, to be honest with their boss. Because when you work in a labor union, you can pretty much say anything you want to your boss as long as it's under the guise of labor relations. In other words, you can't go up to your boss in a non-union shop and say, hey, you're an asshole and not get fired. But in a union shop, you can go up to your boss and say, hey, I wanted to uh, talk to you about a workplace issue. Some of our members have come up to me and said, hey, you're an asshole. Could we have a meeting and talk about that and see if we can't resolve that? And if they fire you, (laughs) then they're in trouble. So so I am a big supporter of labor unions, and uh, we are facing a a possible newspaper strike in Pittsburgh. I know it's not Soul of Pittsburgh, but 25 years ago, we had a major newspaper strike here in the city of Detroit. And Darren Nichols was one of the soldiers who was drafted, who went on the battlefield and was one of the last to come home from that great conflict. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that in just a minute. But first I want to thank you for watching us on Facebook live we're going to try and do this every noon on Tuesdays. And also thank those of you who are listening, because if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you're missing a lot of the show. You're not getting Room 7609. You're not getting some of our, the feedback we get from listeners. You're not hearing about uh, some of the things that we're working on. So please download the show, too. Please listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And in between then, if you got a business that needs a little boost with its marketing... I'd like to encourage you to call our new sponsor and our friends at Sir Speedy. I am not just someone who is uh, uh, gratefully accepting their sponsorship. I'm a customer of theirs. When I was on the school commission at St. Clair Montefalco Catholic School, we turned to Sir Speedy many, many times to get the job done, and they never disappointed. So if you own or work at a company that needs marketing materials, it's time to listen up. Sir Speedy Print Signs Marketing is in Harper Woods, Troy Novi. Whatever you need when it comes to marketing materials, Sir Speedy has got you covered. I'm talking about brochures, signage, direct mail campaigns, promotional products, you name it, and Sir Speedy can do it. We used to have them do banners for us, which were, were great. They have a full creative staff that can help you design whatever you need. So if you're in a company that's just starting up and needs to get your marketing going, or you're a company that needs to take your marketing materials to the next level, you need to call my friends at Sir Speedy. Their number is 586 777 7500 That's 586 777 7500 Or visit their website, SirSpeedyDetroit.com, to get your marketing project going today. Okay, I'm done talking, Oh
3: wow. Okay. Are we
2: ready to
1: wrap this up? Ready to wrap yeah.
3: us up? Is the show That's a long intro? Is the show started yet, Mark?
1: I <laughs> I reconsidered. I thought maybe it would be time to bring some other voices in. Oh, it's about
3: time. All okay. right. Well, that was short for you, so I guess that's good, Mike. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so okay. So I guess those guys are done. But you know who never stops <laughs> working for you? That's our friend Luke Nowacki. So uh, some people like to save up for something really nice, like a new earring that looks cool, or maybe even a time machine that can take them back to the 90s. When dudes with earrings that weren't pro athletes were a thing. Some of us think it's still a thing. If you're wondering how you can budget for a major purchase, call Luke Nowacki at 248-663-4748 or email him at lnowacki at pinnaclewealthstrategies.com. We have a link to Luke's website on our website. Luke can assist you to devise a plan target to help reach your financial goals. And maybe even to help your podcast flow a little sooner. Luke, I'm calling you in about 45 minutes. But in the meantime, remember, when you talk to Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart.
3: Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc.
1: Okay, three more sponsor reads and we're done. Probably. Geez. How do we how do we, what I else do do we pontificate lo- on?
3: Mark, don't you love the way we're hooking people in? We've got <laughs> ten minutes of table of contents reading and advertising. I'm sure people are thrilled as they're you know out there doing what they're doing. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So you know, Labor Day.
1: You know, one way to get through these difficult times is with a nice cold ounce of Maybe something from the butchery. What's okay, on? one
2: more to go. Refinance, refinance that shit now. Hall, what's going on with you? Are you? You seem a little burnt out.
1: You know, it's uh, after all this hot weather. I'm weary. I've been so miserable with the hot weather, and it finally cools down, and I'm like, "Oh, this is wonderful! It's finally cool out." And then, then it starts raining, and I'm like,
2: <laughs> "So you're just you're, this is seasonal? Uh, what's it called? Seasonal dysfect disorder? No, Affective no, I'm, disorder?
1: I'm immune from all those those human maladies. I just. Uh, it just—it just kind of feels like we can't ever catch a break, right? You know, you sort of—it's sort of like catching that fish. And I don't really fish, but other fishermen tell me this is true. And you get the three wishes.
2: Here comes another weird analogy.
1: And you right? got to make sure you save the third wish to undo the other two listening. wishes. <laughs> now, uh, Darren is. I've heard that some people Darren um, has to, from Washington County, when they catch a fish, they just say, "That sucking action looks very appealing." I hope that this fish doesn't. All right,
3: die. are you proud of yourself? Is that? Darren, help us, please. Help, help, Mike. So, He's weary today.
1: Something's going
4: on with him. It must no? be. It must be Labor Day.
1: I'm thinking it of in, I'm thinking of injustice, and and Darren, uh, you've experienced injustice. You uh, you were one of the people, the, the men of conscience, one of the good people of conscience, who uh, I, I know we call it a newspaper strike. People call it a newspaper strike, but actually, back in 1995, it was a lockout, wasn't it? You you guys were told, uh, yeah, if it was. If, if you if you won't take it, you gotta leave it. And so, and I remember hearing stories that as both sides were getting ready for the strike, uh, nobody really thought it was going to go that long. But I also heard that the free press was having laundry facilities put in the basement. And that there was a plan that people could sneak into the news building through the um, through the uh, tunnel that linked what was at one time. Uh, WWJ, which was started by the Detroit News, but had since become the Detroit Chamber of Commerce headquarters, that people could go in the Chamber of Commerce, obviously people who are more business oriented and less labor oriented, and sneak into the Detroit News building through the basement mm. until people raised such a ruckus that the Chamber of Commerce decide, you know, we're just we're not going to we're not going to be complicit, even though we hope the bosses win. Is that is that all true, or is that all myth?
4: That is all true. They did a little bit of everything. I mean, they uh, put the company cars three blocks away. They did a little bit of everything to prepare for the strike. Right. It was unbelievable.
2: What What was the main reason for the strike? Because I don't even, I, I mean, I remember it happening, but I don't remember any of the details about it. Like what, what caused the strike or lockout? Nothing
4: Nothing substantial. I mean, I think the I think the biggest thing to understand is that you know, you're talking at that time. You're talking about the two largest newspaper chains going after the largest union talent in the country. And if you can break a union in Detroit, you can break it everywhere else. And in order to get where we are in journalism now, they wanted to break the unions in Detroit. How
2: how were they going to do that? Was it uh, just by not using union employees? Is it something that simple?
4: it was by any means necessary. It was getting Mitch album to come back a month into the strike. It was, you know, offering people, um, extra jobs. It was offering, uh, you know, people to come in as scabs to, you know, uh, to double their salary. Um, they did a number of things in order to, and it was a lot of it was a, a waiting game that they figured the longer that we waited, Um, The the longer the strike will go, the longer they will, the easier it will be to get people to come back. And so um, it it was all cards on the table, but it wasn't really about the economic issues. It wasn't really about uh, things like that. It it was I mean, those things were very easy to uh, fix in a union contract. Um, But it was it was really uh, uh, about what the future of. This business is turning out to be.
1: I was at the uh, Gannett headquarters after uh, after uh, the 2009 Pulitzers were announced. Jim Schaefer and I were invited to a Gannett corporate board meeting. Gannett owned the Free Press, and we we went up to some luncheon on the top floor of, of Gannett's headquarters and. <laughs> Uh, Gannett, for some reason, has some like a blue dot is like their, mm-hmm. their logo. I think you see on, on USA, USA Today. Today. Yep. Well, they they you know as corporations often will they they spent an ungodly amount of money to create a giant blue sphere in their corporate headquarters. I mean, this thing is like six foot high by six foot across. I mean, it's it's massive. It's taller than the average human being. And so when Jim and I were getting ready to go to this thing, one of our bosses pulled us aside and said, uh, you know, I know you guys are kind of smartasses, so I just want to tell you, when you go up there, don't touch the blue ball, which was the wrong thing to tell us because immediately I'm yeah, thinking... it's that's
2: the first thing you're going to do now.
1: Yeah, blue ball, blue ball, blue ball, blue ball, blue ball. Jim was thinking blue balls, but I was thinking blue ball. Jim will have to explain his uh, position to you later. But um, on our adults-only edition of the Soul of Detroit... Stay
3: focused. <laughs>
1: but We thought it was a joke. And then we, we did an online search to find um, why we should be concerned about this. And we found out that there were some reporters from another Gannett newspaper who had gone to corporate headquarters and had touched the blue ball and I think were disciplined. And one of them may have been fired because it was they were that serious about it. What? Yes. That yes. Sounds like so, an urban legend. Yeah. So it's it's insane. No, no, no. This is documented. This is documented. You can look it up. Yeah,
4: this is true. Yeah, I think it, it was one or both of them got fired for touching the blue ball.
1: Yeah. So so as uh, as um, Dennis Hopper said in uh, True Romance, it's written. You can you can you can see it. You know, am I lying? Check it out. So. So Jim and I went up there, and we got as close to the blue ball as we dared, and I, we got a picture of it, and I'll, I'll try and have that for us on the, on the website. But all of this is to say that while we we're up there, <laughs> we ran across a guy who was like the CEO or one of the top executives from Gannett from the strike period. And you have to remember, lives were ruined by this. There were oh, yeah. people who... Whose marriages broke up, who who lost their homes, who left the business. Some high quality journalists left the city of Detroit for other newspapers and not other news organizations because they had opportunities and they chose to took them. There's a huge talent drain from this journalism community that we're still dealing with, and and this guy, I won't call him a man because that denotes humanity, but uh, he was he said we're from the Free Press and he's sort of like. Oh yeah, didn't we have that thing there? You know, no. that was that was silly. Oh. So, to him it was all just yeah, we had that little kerfuffle there at that time, you know, 15 years ago, but uh yeah, what the hell was that all about anyways? Welcome to uh headquarters. And uh I think about that and I thought, god, I wish I'd gotten on top of that effing blue, blue ball. ball. <laughs> and 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 <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> pretended I was in a log roll and just gone right through the whole damn Building on that thing, but but to people like Darren, this was not just some silly little thing that happened in this faraway place. And I was working in New Hampshire at the time, um, you know, making less than four hundred bucks a week and working my ass off and Stay hoping focused. to get back to Detroit. <laughs> and people I knew at the Free Press were like, "This is a good time to come back. You should come to the Free Press. This is a good time to come back." And I know Sean got calls like that too, and a lot of people did. And and we. We resisted those calls, but, but Darren, you were there. Uh, what, what sort of enticements or threats were made to you to basically put your principles aside and try and resume the career that, that you had set your sights on and that you were hoping would be uh, you know the, the, the thing you do for the rest of your life?
4: for me it, it really wasn't a whole lot because I was on the, the, the short end of the totem pole. Um, they, they wanted to take away my, uh, admission to NABJ that year. Um, and, and that was about it. I got a call to come back. Um, and they were making sweet deals to everybody. I made my counter offer. They didn't like my counter offer. So I stayed out. Um, and I mean, the biggest thing was I was 24 years old at the time at the Detroit News, which was at the time the number eight or number nine newspaper in the country in terms of circulation. And so, you know, I had every uh, reason to go back. Um, but, f- but for me, um, you know, my parents are teachers. So, you know, when you go out, when, when you have pa- parents that are teachers, you, you hear about a teacher strike. And they always would go out on, on strike. And so that was very normalized in my household. And so um, I went out on strike even though I was you know, 24 years old. Um, this is what you do. And I gave, I, I gave no thought of it uh, on June 13, 1995. How long were you out? I, and what did, what did you do while was, you were out? I was out two and a half years. Um, I did a little bit of everything. I did a little bit of PR I did a little bit of. Uh, I worked at a place called Skillsville for a little bit. Um, I uh, coached high school basketball for two seasons, um, and I made. I just made it work. Um, I, I had an apartment. I wanted to, you know, I paid my rent and my car note, and everybody else fell in line. Um, I, I, and I just made it work.
2: The other big thing I remember from the strike, of course, is Mitch Album. I mean, Mitch was was a huge name and he, and he crossed the line. And I think he wrote a column urging other people, um, that must've taken a long time for that bad blood to, um, I guess, dissipate from, from what he did. Is there still bad blood with him and other people that crossed the picket line?
4: Well, with a lot of people, it is, um, it's, it's not for me because what I learned over the strike is that everyone had a decision and no decision was wrong. Um, my belief system is different from everyone else's and I can't force them to believe what I believe. Um, but at the same time, you know, we all made, we all make choices. For me, I was 24, didn't have a family, didn't have student loans. I didn't have any of that kind of stuff. But, but if it happened now, um, my decision might be much different with Mm -hmm. a wife and two kids and a house. And so taking all that into account, um, made me really grow up, really understand what life is all about, um, but also to just stick to my guns.
2: Well, to that point, that's why I was never nuts about uh, the column that he wrote, because his decision is a little easier than a lot of other writers' decisions at the paper, and I, you know, you guys work there, so I'll, I'll just say it. I was never a fan of that column that he wrote. His decision's his decision, and that's fine, but... I, yeah, I,
4: I mean, I read, I never read the column, you know, because I wasn't reading the papers at the time. So I, I, I don't know what he even said in the column, but, you know, Mitch has a sweet deal. Let's, let's be yeah. clear. Oh, yeah. and, and and also let's be clear, like he's kind of for himself. Like he's on team Mitch. Um, and when you're making that kind of money, you make a decision to make that kind of money. And so, you know, um, that's just what he chose. <laughs> well, Darren,
3: you know. Dar- Darren, I would say Mike alluded to this earlier. That he and I both had uh, opportunities to come to the free press when this, the strike was still going on before it was officially settled. I guess is maybe the way to put it. I can't speak for Mike, but for me, kind of to your point a little bit about being at different parts uh, of your life. For me, it was it was fairly easy to say no. Um, and I wish I could sit here and say it was a completely moral decision. It was not. First of all, my wife was a huge union person it had been a had been a projectionist. And uh, so was very familiar with it for that world, and she basically looked at me and said, there's no effing way you're taking that job, right? So that's one thing.
1: Oh, she wears the pants.
3: Well, she was, absolutely. She
1: was projecting her union values out uh, of you. Of course she does. blank screen.
3: And I wasn't going to do it anyway. I talked to a couple of people in the newsroom at that time who had come back, and um, they were sort of describing what it was like in the various camps and all the tension. So I didn't want to be part of that, too. So that wasn't necessarily a moral decision on my part either. I just didn't want to be part of that. And, and the other thing is I had a, a pretty good job at, at the newspaper in Alabama at the time. As much as I wanted to come back, my kids were little. My mother-in-law and my mother were both in the area and still alive at that point. We, as much as we wanted to do that, we were relatively secure, so we didn't have to, to take that job. It's different when, you, when you're when you out on strike, right, and you're trying to go back. So I'm glad I didn't do it. I, I'm glad I didn't cross. But had the circumstances been different, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what you think, Mike.
1: Uh, It was easy for me. Um, I mean, I'd been in New Hampshire making jack shit uh, (laughs) at a paper that uh, sold no copies. It was a very good paper and, I dare say, prestigious paper for its size. But I was only going to come in the right way. I was only going to come in under the right terms. I always wanted to come home to Detroit. I always felt that if I came home, I wanted to come home uh, in in a way that uh, I never felt like I had to justify or apologize for. And when I, um, I, I decided to come back to Detroit probably a little sooner than I had thought. And I was very frustrated with my job prospects elsewhere in the country. So I was kind of a hungry dog that might've jumped at, at the dangled bone, but, um, but I just, I just didn't think it was right to come that way. And, uh, and other people came, there were some people who were late in their careers who were only going to get one shot to make it to the free press. And I, I feel I feel less judgmental of their decision because this was, you know, this was, this was their break and they were going to take it. And I guess it's, maybe I would have felt that way if I was much older. But so, I, I consulted with, with people who I knew were, were hardcore union people who had been out a long time just to say, if I'm coming back now, has everybody who left had an opportunity to come back? And is this thing true and, uh, and, and, uh, and well over and I was told it was. And so so I came back. But um I just I, I think it's you know, and and the strike is over. It's been twenty-five years. As a as a union officer, I, I worked really hard to rebuild the bridges between people who had left and come back, people who had come during the strike or the lockout and and people who, you know, had questions or concerns about the newspaper guild. Because we all are on the same team in the same way that uh, that we're now allies with the Japanese and we dropped two nuclear bombs on them. So I do think that when circumstances changes, you can become allies and friends and work together for, for the common good. But, but I think when you think about Darren, who's an up-and-coming young guy at a time when there probably weren't a lot of 24-year-old brothers working for major newspapers, who has to put his career on hold for two and a half years, who has carrots dangle in front of him, who says no— you know, Sean, you, I think you're downplaying your your enticements a little bit. You've got family here. You've got young kids who like to be around their grandparents and you decide you're going to stay because because the circumstances aren't quite right. I mean, I think those are noble, noble things. And I, and I, I think that when we, we look at the union movement and it's it's shrinking...
2: Well, let me let me ask you this, because in the intro, in your elongated
3: intro, you were mentioning oh, how...
2: Um, she just, just
1: snuck one in on me there. <laughs> uh, elongated
3: is uh, un, under... What, what's the word for that, Mark? Time for us to organize here. Yeah, I'm playing it, yeah.
2: <laughs> but you mentioned, you know, I, you're clearly very pro-union. Does that exist for every union?
1: I mean, do you feel the same way about government uh, employee unions? So the reason why unions are here is not because a lot of us are dying to give a percentage of our salary to sure. somebody else. Unions exist because of bad bosses. And one time I was at the bargaining table and I mean, a boss. And you could just
2: answer the question, but.
1: Well, there's some nuance here. I mean, oh, he you could you
2: me, add the nuance after the answer. Yeah. You
1: want me to, I, I believe every workplace uh, becomes better because it has a union in it. But unions are only good if it listens, if they listen to their membership and if they're geared towards. Their membership. When I became a leader at the Newspaper Guild, we changed our motto to working for you, working with you, because we were very much driven by feedback from our members. Now, sometimes when unions become stratified and ossified and buy country clubs up north and start building cottages for their executives, you know, uh, the UAW of today would, would, uh, would so greatly offend Walter Ruther, he might burn it down. And I think that unions can become like any institution; they can forget their uh, their purpose, and they 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 become like Animal Farm. You remember, at one time it was four legs good, two legs bad. Then it became two legs good, four legs bad, and then no one could remember. What it really was, and then they turned Napoleon into glue. Not Napoleon. Who was the horse?
3: I don't know, Mark. There's an answer in there somewhere. I think.
2: I guess that's a yes. I don't know. Uh, and one of the reasons I bring it up is because with the big social movements that's happened, I support
1: this- all unions and unions that are in trouble. I support the members overthrowing their leaders because when union leaders become like bosses, then unions. But that's lose not
2: always members. so easy in the public sector.
1: Yes, they are. Yeah, the members, the leaders of the union are elected by the members.
2: Well, the reason I bring that up is because you have with what happened this summer. You know, there's a lot of anger at police unions because of the due process the members receive. Say after uh, some misbehavior or shooting or God, you know, God forbid, and they get their due process. And about half of the bad, you know, we hear a lot about bad cops. Um, they end up getting reinstated, so there's a lot of focus on that. And I just didn't know if if you felt the same about public
1: as you do private. I think. Leaders of those unions should do what we have done at the Newspaper Guild, which is we we listen to everybody who has an issue. We weigh uh, the justice of their situation. In some cases, we fight to the death to try and save their jobs, as I did with Steve Neveling at the Detroit Free Press. And other times, in cases I won't specify, we say, here's a deal, pal. We are going to get you some severance. We are going to drive you to the airport. And we're going to hope that we never see you again because you screwed up and we ain't going to defend that. And I think union leadership that thinks they have to defend every case is wrongheaded and and do not, does not serve their members. Because I know cops, and I'm not saying that the Minneapolis Police Union is trying to defend uh, the officer uh, charged in George mm-hmm. Floyd's death, but I know cops who, when they saw that, said, Sure. This is terrible, and this is going to be bad for yeah. all of us.
2: I don't even want to use that example yeah. because the, but, everyone but, feels that way. Right,
1: but there are situations when we see when we see members do something wrong, and we just basically say we are here to protect your rights. And based on your case, the best we can do is get you uh, get you a, uh, a front row seat in the Greyhound out of town um, and a little spending money, it's just as we would do when releasing somebody from prison. So, so I I think, I think unions have to be cognizant that their credibility is on the line too. And when they defend the indefensible, that is, uh, that's a bad call. They shouldn't do that. That's a mistake.
4: Yeah. I think, I think it just boils down to their moral compass. Like if you have a moral compass and you don't, you know, uh, agree with what is going on and you, and you know that there is a cop that is in a bad shooting and has had, um, multiple incidents um and it's time for them to receive punishment that's what they do um and i I think that's what and that's the right thing to do
0: i think Um, i think that works in theory
4: it's those people who are working with management because you know at some point you got to look through somebody's hr file and so you know you you don't just make a decision in a vacuum um but you know you you protect the people that you you want to protect but, but you also get rid of the people who, you know, are clearly in a bad situation,
1: and, and bad union members endanger other union members. If I'm a cop and I'm with uh, I'm with Officer Cowboy, he's going to get us into situations that might get me hurt. If I'm if I'm a, a, a reporter yeah, yeah, and I'm how, working with a many, colleague who doesn't try and get his shit right, then we're both going to get sued.
2: But uh, how many times do you hear the story of you know they won't say anything because they don't want to get trouble from their union.
1: I think that's uh, no pun intended to cop out. There's lots of people who blame the boss. I can't tell you how many reporters who say, oh, I had to ask that question because my boss wanted me to. I never say that. To me, if my boss asked me to ask a question I think is inappropriate or stupid, I say, boss, that's inappropriate or stupid. I'm not going to ask it. I think a lot of people are chickens. They don't have the courage of their conviction and they try and blame it on somebody else, be that union leadership, be that a boss, be that, you know, uh, something that happened at home that day I, I, I don't I don't countenance that crap.
2: Uh, and you know they're not they're, they have a, a no strike clause, clearly because we don't really don't want police striking. Uh, but then you have a teachers' union which is allowed to strike, and I, I don't know the, the rules just seem different because every industry is a little different.
1: Well, if I was a teacher and I was uh, at risk, and my district said you have no choice but to go to that classroom. My ass would be walking a picket line. I wouldn't hesitate. I'd be, the first, I'd be printing the signs up in my basement. I mean, I, I don't think any employer has the right to put you uh, in danger. And, um, and frankly, well, if, so that, if you're putting teachers in danger, you're putting children in danger too.
2: For argument's sake, uh, who defines what the
1: danger is? Uh, I have a respiratory condition. I'm going in a classroom. There's no PPE. There's 30 desks. There's 30 kids. There's not enough room for social distancing. I think the CDC would define that as a danger.
2: Yeah, but there's a lot of lot of schools that aren't doing that.
1: I'm just saying that that's. I wouldn't strike on them. Okay. I mean, I mean, I just, I'm, just, know, pick, I'm just picking your very tired, yeah, I'm, exhausted I mean, brain. I'm, I'm not walking out of my classroom because some joker in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got sneezed on. I'm talk I'm walking out of my classroom because in Elrickville, uh, there's no there's no uh, ventilation. You know, I mean. Elric Mill. Well, that's the only uh, place it's there is. Here, you, It's right, right next Martin, to Otisburg Darren? on, uh, on the uh, Superman map.
3: What are you talking about? It's the only place Elric Mill. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Darren. Don't
1: let I was the children say,
4: even you. here, you know, you, you saw the pressure that the DFT put on, uh, you know, on the superintendent and, and the leaders of, uh, the Detroit school district, um, to preserve, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, what they wanted in the in the classroom they threatened to strike and so um but it, because of that they ended up working out a deal that worked for both management as well as uh the teachers in in Detroit so you know but it, it it wouldn't have happened if they didn't start in early July saying we're not coming back in the classroom you know that's that's a no you know that's 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 a deal breaker. Yeah, and
1: and and I think these are all situational things. Uh, if I if I had to work in a in a in a shop with no union or with a shitty union, I'll take the shitty union shop because I know that me and other people of good conscience there can take over that union and get it pointed the right way. Um but but one of the things that, that Darren and I when we were talking about this last night um came to realize is that there's a social aspect of being out on strike too and as Darren was talking about it and talking about Milestone's 25th anniversary, the newspaper lockout, and, and 100th day of Detroit Will Breathe marching, we started talking about um, sort of the social aspect of this, too. And with Detroit Will Breathe, some major developments on Friday. Uh, first of all, uh, I think a lot of us feel that our our tax dollars are not spent well. Well, in terms of, and I don't care what the decision is, But in terms of public officials earning their money, U.S. District Court Judge Lori Michelson, a fairly new judge, going into a holiday, a three-day weekend, a Labor Day weekend, worked late on Friday to come up with a decision on uh, Detroit Will Breathe's request for a temporary restraining order against uh, Detroit Police Tactics here is someone who didn't even start her meeting with the lawyers until like late friday afternoon it's almost in most courthouses in this area and i would say in the country if you gassed the courtroom after noon the courthouse after noon on a friday you wouldn't even find more than one or two dead cockroaches because these judges they're you know they're meeting they're they're consulting with clerks they're reviewing paperwork whatever after the morning uh, motion call but Laurie Michelson worked late and came up with a, a ruling that says Detroit police basically can't use some of the tactics they've been using against peaceful protesters unless they have probable cause. And uh and thinking about uh Detroit will breathe got us back on a topic that we want to talk about before, which is some of the the emails and some of the feedback we've received from people. On stories that we've covered over the years, and and uh, I asked everybody to kind of reflect on some of their their favorite, uh, least favorite emails, and 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 I want to start us off with uh, something I received on August thirty first after a story I wrote about Detroit will breathe suing in federal court to try and get police to change their ways. This comes from a, a reader at the Free Press. Um, actually, you'll find out in a minute that, that they're not not really a reader. Uh, the email says, "Oh yeah, you're an ass, and so is your liberal newspaper." To which I respond, "Thank you for reading and for your feedback." <laughs> to which my friend responds, "I didn't read it. I could tell by the pictures of only showing the police taking charge that it's typical media bullshit." So I take it you don't mind the rioting and looting and burning of the cities. And so I said, "Have a friend read the story to you and get back to me." <laughs> I prefer to have conversations with people who are informed about the topics we discuss. Thank you for looking at the photos. Well that and then I did include some of the stuff I wrote that provided some of the police uh, perspective all of which uh,
2: do you think you read it
1: inspired this response it's still it's silly BS your pictures are out of line and how many times you guys have to keep bring up George Floyd enough already you're a liberal newspaper and have been for years so I said I if you don't like what you see I guess I can't help you thank you for spending so much time with the free press today may God bless you and your family what you people in the media don't realize, or maybe I do. You're part of the problem. In fact, you're all capitals. Major problem. And I just said, I think the caps key on your computer got stuck. And my friend responds, you got the point. So so freedom of speech, we started out talking about why I think unions are so important, because they give us freedom of speech. I respect freedom of speech of everybody, but sometimes people prefer to use it for freedom of, I guess I'd say, freedom of screech and uh i'm wondering have you guys have any favorite uh correspondence or people who have um opined on on your hard and and uh and well-intentioned efforts
2: i i usually delete mine um in a trail of tears cuz i'm so sad about all the bad emails i get
3: i don't uh yeah i don't tend to keep them i mean i get called all sorts of things i do have yeah. one in here that just hasn't fallen By ML, out i ml you do yeah, I do because in the email I just sort of drop out at some point, right? There is one left because I was off for the last couple of weeks, and it's this is a pretty common one. It just I think I wrote about the I don't even remember what I wrote about. It's been a few weeks. So the, the Big Ten and and maybe there was the word rage in the headline about here's you know why the rage over the closing of the Big Ten football season. All it says is here's what is fueling the rage, Mister Windsor. You should st- <laughs> good you job, should, and <laughs> then <laughs> and then, go, then you should stick to sports. Uh, I I got one recently. I'll stick I get to I get that. I, I, I hate those. Yeah, I get that fairly frequently. And That's they're a pretty so common... intertwined now. That but I get so... I get a much nastier that than that. Doesn't sound I just don't bad. Have... Yeah, it sounds nice. Yeah, you know someone's I get, reading you. They're that, calling that, me names and
1: that one came stuff from stuff. your brother. I mean, come on, dude.
3: Yeah, my brother <laughs> actually can't read the comment section on a lot of my columns because they do get nasty and they just can't take it. And I said, don't don't read them. Don't look at them, you know. The mean ones I get
2: um, a lot of times are when they mishear something. That That's the one that drives me nuts. Because doing this, you can easily mishear something. And I, I understand that. I got one recently from someone, and I said, look, it's not what I said. This is the situation. Please go back and listen. And he did. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I still disagree with you on certain points. But, that you know, I, I'm okay with that. You can hate my opinion all day long. A lot, plenty
3: of people do. Get in line. I don't know what you. I don't know about you, Mark or, or Mike, but the nastiest ones, the the ones with the most sort of vitriol and the name calling, bother me the least, right? Yeah, Because I mean, yeah, they're childish. not really personal. I, I don't know. They're just venting. They're taking it out, and that's fine. The more thoughtful ones, where they're kind of trying to eviscerate you, and you hadn't thought about something. That, those are the ones that stick with me a little bit more.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I mean. Uh, uh, I, I the, the most <laughs> the, the most misfamous the most famous misheard thing perhaps in in recent Detroit media history is is Mike Ratti thinking that I had oh, gone yeah. on the Drew and Mike show to threaten Jim Thomas the lawyer for Kwame Kilpatrick I actually had gone on the show and said something like I think I think uh, you guys had asked me um I was trying to talk to mayor kilpatrick because or former mayor kilpatrick at that time because i had just found out that he had gone to a walmart to get some cash that had been sent to him and apparently in in violation of uh, the terms of his uh his uh parole and um and when i went to go ask him his lawyer jim thomas great advocate uh cares passionately about his clients sort of stepped in the way and and it was uh, mark it was either you or drew had asked me like hey you know what what do you think when that lawyer blocks you? And I said something like, uh, you know, like I-, I like Jim Thomas. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with Jim Thomas. or I'm not going to worry about Jim Thomas getting in my way. And, and by the time the telephone game had finished up that morning in court, Mike Rattay had heard, you know, I'm, I'm going to get Jim Thomas out of my way or I can take Jim Thomas. And, and it turned into, you know, what are you doing? Threatening lawyers. You know, you want to threaten a lawyer, you come threaten me. <laughs> and and I did exactly what you did, Mark. I I think I contacted you guys and said, Hey, can I get the audio of that? I sent the audio to all the lawyers. I said, There's been a misunderstanding. Now, of course, it happens. At this point, Mike and I had already set up a date to fight in an alley, but and had had the judge <laughs> saying stuff like, you know, hey, hey, knock it off. But when we when we played that audio, I think it 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 calmed things down. But but sometimes there's some audio that's completely an and utterly uh, uh, unambiguous like this call I got when I was at Fox 2.
5: What you call investigative journalism, I call bullshit, buddy. I find it very interesting that you attacked the one progressive individual on the Detroit City Council less than 10 days before the election. Why don't you do some stories about fucking Mayor Duggan and Tyson Kwame? Why don't you do some stories about the Pinskys or the reculsors? Why don't you do some real stories? You want some stories, and facts? I'll give you lots of stories. How about <laughs> doing snowballs that people and call them? <laughs> and then you got <laughs> McNamara out of Livonia, the dugging machine coming behind McNamara, doing the same exact thing <laughs> Kwame did. Nobody's getting <laughs> prosecuted. But you want to write about Raquel Castaneda Lopez. Honest, hardworking immigrant woman who's trying to <laughs> do the right thing for the city and its residents with community benefits. Why well, you got <laughs> such as... <laughs> convention and the mayor behind the scenes trying to take out the only other person who supported affordable housing ordinance like get the fuck out of here man go yourself how about that
1: wow well i mean you made his point yeah so uh music and editing uh by the great john brzuski at fox too that was part of our our year-end outtakes uh special for 2017 but in just a little context the story was about how this detroit city councilwoman who was one of the most well-to-do people in her neighborhood, had one of the most rundown and, in fact, violation of city code uh, homes. In How the dare you? So, yeah, and uh, she also has some concerns about whether police need to be reformed, but as you can see from that video, she had no hesitation to call them when she wanted to leave a public building to go to her publicly provided vehicle, but that's a whole other story. We'll get to some some other time but, uh, but you know, we get lots of calls. We get lots of emails like that. And I think one of my favorite voicemails of all time, and, and forgive me, I don't have it recorded, was when Jim Schaefer and I were, were early on doing some of the the reporting on Kwame Kilpatrick's misconduct in office. Now, that's my second Kwame Kilpatrick reference, and Sean has let <laughs> me get away with it. So I'm, I, should, I should probably oh, keep my because I,
3: I got lost when you introduced this uh, 10 minutes ago as one of the most memorable misunderstandings in Detroit media <laughs> history. The way you – the grandiose sort of intro of that story – I'm still stuck on that. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I just said, I said, I said one of. I didn't say the. I, know. I didn't
3: even say the. I mean, what you can't see, well, maybe you can see, I don't know if we're still on Facebook Live, the way he was patting himself on the back because he was setting that up.
1: so That's why he's in the cherries
3: in. There's a, there's a massage at the back of the neck there up there.
1: Actually, it's not so easy to pat myself. I got a shingle shot last week, and it, that, that, that shit hurt, but apparently oh, you really need to God, get those. Baby.
3: Darren, help so, us, please. So, so
1: anyway, Schaefer got a voicemail from a guy who would call us every once in a while and uh and it was a very simple voicemail it was about um we had done something where we had exposed some wrongdoing and any number of stories fit that description but just said hunting ain't so fun when the rabbits got the gun and that was the voicemail We're like what the hell do we make of that i guess we i guess we better be careful but but darren i i know from uh from talking a little bit that uh You've had some feedback and some some voicemails and, and emails and things like that that I, I, I dare say uh, there's nothing funny about them at all.
4: Yeah, I mean, the flip side of all of that was um, I was called the N-word several times. Um, uh, in a lot of the instances of the, the voicemail that I would get, they would talk about these people in Detroit, those people in Detroit all the time. Um, but one of the things I used to do was I'd call them back. And, you know, you get them on the phone and you say, you know, uh, hi, this is Darren Nichols with the Detroit News. You know, I I heard your voicemail. You know, who are these people that you're talking about? Are you talking about my mom, my master's degree mom? Or are you talking about my brother and sister-in-law who both have degrees from the University of Michigan? And that kind of shut them up or they would be lost for words. And they sort of say, "Um, well, we're not talking about you. (laughs) And I say, well, explain to me. What kind of those people are you talking about? Um, are you talking about Judge Arthur Tarnow, who lives down the street from me? Like, who who exactly in Detroit are you talking about? And so, you know, that used to be my 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 uh, way of coming back at people because, you know, um, outside of the one uh, voicemail that I got, where um, he really threatened to, you know, shoot me or to shoot uh, someone on the Detroit city council. And I did forward that to Ralph Godby. Um, but outside of that, I tried to stay real cool and real calm, not try to argue with these people, but I did always, uh, call them back and call them out on what they tried to do.
1: I love that because it, Uh, it forces somebody to own their words and, and you kind of find out if they're, uh, if they have the courage of their corrupt convictions or if they're cowards and I think time and time again you find out they're cowards. I think the only time I ever contacted law enforcement there was a a mayoral press secretary that one time said that uh, told uh, somebody at the Detroit News that Steve Wilson and I should be shot and this dude was crazy enough that that we thought it was possible. I didn't report that to anybody, but I did get a letter at my house with a um, with no return address that somebody had typed my address and name out, taped it on the front of a uh, an envelope, and then when I opened it up, it was pages and pages listing every relative and every address we've all had going back like 20 years, and at the top of it, it just said Target Report. And uh, mm. my wife was working from home at the time with, with my two little girls, and I thought, this is just some bullshit intimidation tactic, but I, I did turn it over to the FBI because I thought... She's at home, she's vulnerable, and if this is legit, the, we should look into it. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the The screwhead who sent this uh, had, when they taped down my address, had let an eyelash or something like that get oh, caught wow. under the tape. So when I went to the FBI, I took the envelope, and, um, and I said, you know, any idea? And they're like, no, I don't know, we'll have to look into this. And, and I said, well, that eyelash, that's... That's a pretty big break, right? You do DNA, you can figure out who it is, right?
2: they not going to do DNA. Please tell me they didn't do DNA for that.
1: No, they just looked at me and they just started like, yeah, uh, that's how it works, yeah. <laughs> You've
2: watched, you too, watched much you yeah. Watch yeah.
4: too much CSI. Yeah, you watch too much CSI, man. Exactly. <laughs> They're
1: like, for- forget the... I-. So then one of the ways they tried to track it down was to say, well, this looks like one of these credit reporting agencies, so what you should do is see who's checked your credit report. I said, well, you're the FBI, you know, can you do that? And they said... Now let's go over to your office. We'll have you sign up for a, a free credit report. So <laughs> good for them. I was like, "Geez, the <laughs> FBI!" Stop wasting their time, ML. You know where the where the hell is? Uh, you know the the lab. What I saw, Manhunter. I know how this works. What's going <laughs> on? But uh, no, I guess not. But uh, they did actually figure out who it was, and it was just some some disgraced asshole cop who was dating one of Kilpatrick's cousins and they basically told him, knock it off. Oh, wow. And and not, and not I'd wow. actually written about some bullshit he had done too. But later on, I got contacted by somebody who claimed to be his stepbrother or half-brother and said, um, you should be afraid because my, my sibling is just a complete piece of shit. And based on the record, that's true. So uh, before we go to our great debate, and Darren, please stick around. I want to read one last correspondence I got the other day from my... Uh, my friend, um, it was a a kind of a nice uh, a nice little uh, conciliatory Labor Day note. Um, it arrived at two twenty one on Monday. It said, "You haven't wrote anything stupid in a couple of days. Try and keep up the good work." <laughs> so I sent back, you know, I said, "I love you. Happy Labor Day." And the response I got was, Wish I could say the same, but I'm not too crazy about liberals who want to give this country away. Have a lack of respect for law and order. You support the looters. Too many people who have died for this country. So someone like you can write the crap you do about the country. Heck for that matter, even about your own city. So, So I guess we just couldn't quite bury the hatchet. I won't change my mind on anything. Regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in. And I'll never change. There was a president one time who had two people who were on different sides of an issue, and, and he brought them together for a nice cold Altus. Actually, I don't think he had Altus because it's a Detroit original that was not around during that administration, but it's back. And so I want to talk to you real quick what? about the original. You remember Dude, what? that? No, no. I don't even want to I don't even want to ask. President Obama invited Professor Gates from Harvard with the Cambridge police officer who had questioned him when he was going into his house.
2: I didn't know that's what you were referencing.
1: Yes, and this was a dispute between two people. You that,
2: don't have to explain it.
1: It could have become very, very controversial and said Obama listening.
2: said You don't have to explain it.
1: Both you guys come over to the White House, and had this been now he would have said, let's have a cold Altus because that's the original Detroit lager that's making a comeback here in the greatest city in the world and right here in the White House. Altus is the only do-anything-anytime-with-anyone beer, whether they met outside a window or whether they met at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Serious, I love it. I grab a case whenever I can. And I try and make sure I always have it stocked at home. In fact, I need to restock. Here's a fun fact about Altus. And as we return to the socializing with other people, uh, it only takes six of them to make anyone attend. But don't have so many that you forget to social distance. There are a lot of things that happened here in Detroit that went away. But boy, I'm glad Altus is back. It's a smooth lager that packs a punch and is delicious. Go pick some cans up today for yourself and enjoy it. Go to altus.beer and find the location nearest you. It's also on tap at many fine establishments. I promise this beer is insanely good, and you will be thanking me the next time you crack a nice cold Altus. And uh, speaking of Washington and the White House, uh, there was some some big stories that came out last week involving um, anonymous sources uh, alleging that our Commander-in-Chief... Has not been as complimentary of those under his command as he may have you believe, or as people may wish, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't want to debate the uh, the merits of that story, uh, but I think it's a it's a good time for us to talk about anonymous sources and this notion that some things are so important that we should allow people to be accused without giving them the opportunity to face their accuser. And uh, I I know we in the media uh, hate as much as people will not believe this. We hate anonymous sources because it turns the debate from the content of our reporting, which we believe is fair and accurate to whether or not people can trust our reporting because no one has put their proper noun to the allegations inside of it. And uh, Sean, I know that, that you don't have too many anonymous sources in your story uh, but Mark, you read a lot, and and you see these things, and I'm I'm just wondering, do you think there are stories that make it worth allowing people to basically throw a rock and hide their hand?
2: Well, I I, I kind of feel like it is a little overused today, um, and a lot of when, when I mean that it's overused, I feel like it's overused for very salacious stories, stories that almost don't even matter. Um, that might be an attack on. I don't know the president, or say the governor, or whomever, uh, but some of them I, I I think are are really important. I mean, Deep Throat isn't that the most famous anonymous source of all
1: time? Uh, yes, all the president's men that that brought down Nixon. Also, the most overrated anonymous source of all times, and who is no longer anonymous. But it took forty years, I think, for for Mark Felt to be identified. Why do you think that's overrated? Because when you look at the stories that that Woodward and Bernstein did, very few of them were dependent on uh, on information they got from uh, from Deep Throat, and um, and really, the name itself became so mesmerizing to people that that he grew in importance um, to the White House. See, a, a I would burglar story.
3: Uh, I would not respectfully disagree. Um, because I think th- I think it guided it got you know, maybe you don't get yeah. direct information and you know this, but you can say hey look over here, look over there. I mean, and I don't have a lot of sources in my columns in general. It's a column, right? But sometimes I do. But if I want to write about a subject, there are times when I talk to people I know I'm going to talk to me on the record, and they tell me what they think. So then you can write um, from a position of a little bit more authority. And I think that's what Deep Throat did. And, and when it's like that, and it's not, and then you the people on the record are in your story. Uh, then I think you have fewer issues that way. It also goes to the source of who the author
2: is and who the article is. A lot of people don't like The Atlantic. I think The Atlantic does a lot of good work, but then when it's verified by other news agencies through their sources, it's kind of hard to believe a story isn't true. I just wonder: Do you guys feel that maybe uh, unnamed sources are overused today?
1: I think it. I think it depends. I, I wrote a story recently that. Um we didn't put an unnamed source in the story, but we verified everything with someone we didn't disclose as a source. And later I, I mean, on, I everything mean, I reported I just turned spe- out to be true.
2: Specifically, quoting an unnamed source.
1: So I, I think with unnamed sources, every every uh, agency, every news organization is different. And, and Darren, I don't know what the rules were at the Detroit News, but at the Free Press, you know somebody. Managing editor level, which is kind of second in command or higher, had to know who that source was and had to approve the use of that source. And I think we also, and you know, I've been in and out of the free press so many times over the years. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quote the current policy because I'm probably not as familiar with it as I as I was uh, when I worked there before. But there were things such as we are not going to let an unnamed source disparage somebody. Uh, we're not going to use direct quotes from unnamed sources or anonymous sources, because when we turn to an anonymous source, the idea is they're giving us information. Information in in, in the sense that it's a, a part of the periodic table of elements where it can't be broken down into a smaller entity, where it's, it's almost like an atom, which I guess there's no subatoms, okay, so forget that analogy, but... But the idea is we're not going to allow people to weigh in on things. They're just going to tell us things that are factual and then not opine on them because we don't think you should be able to do that without standing behind your words. And I think that's a good policy. Now, uh, we also have a policy where we try and use them as rarely as possible. But then you end up using them a lot, particularly if you work for the Washington Post, because every story you write is about politics where you're an at-will employee, where you... I mean, this is, again, I come back to the unions. When you, when you can turn to your union to be protected if somebody retaliates against you for telling the truth, you know, I, I mean, I... We see a lot of anonymous sources, probably more now than ever before, but there seems to be more crazy shit going on than ever before where if people put their name to it, they're going to get canned. We're seeing inspectors general... In the federal government, who have long-term appointments being removed, being undermined, because they did their job. (laughs) And so I'm some lower-ranking person who's going to put my name on it? I don't think so. Right.
2: Uh, when, but you understand
1: why Colonel Vindman he put his name on it how'd it work out for him yeah, Colonel yeah you know I mean shit dude, on his, his military career got ended and I think his brother ended up having to bail too because he's like well we're twins but I'm not the other I'm not Rat Vindman I'm Matt Vindman and you know I mean you know I mean Darren when you guys had anonymous sources at the news what was, what was the process that you had to go to was this something that people just said hey eh, Darren's a good guy he got some good shit you know roll the presses <laughs>
4: No, we had to go all the way up the top, to top of the chain. Um, we d- we used them very judiciously, um, and it was a, it was a pain. Um, and so, I mean, it was done very rare, um, and there was a lot of stories that you know we would just get beat on because uh, the free press used an anonymous source, and we weren't able to use it. Um, and essentially. Um, we were told that we could not use anonymous sources unless it was a, you know, unless we couldn't get it verified from anyone else. Um, And and in that case, it would have to go all the way up the chain. Um, And so it was very rare. Um, I don't even recall using an anonymous source in my stories. Um, But when you're in D.C., D.C. politics is just completely different. Um, And so Um, the usage of anonymous sources in DC politics, primarily because of the people that are involved is, is more, um, necessary, I guess, is the, is the word to use, uh, than here. Um, you know, unless you're talking about a major scandal, um, that is going on, uh, you know, with the mayor of Detroit or anything like that, outside of that, um, you really should just work your sources and try to get it. You get the information from, from the person that doesn't want to go forward and you try to get that confirmed with other sources. Um, They can be the source of um, what you're looking into. Um, But, you know, do your legwork, but your legwork always starts, you know, years before in terms of, you know, I may not, I may not need you now as a source, but I'll I'll come back to you two or three years later.
2: The problem is, there's so many you know, out, outlets um, online, wherever you know, any anybody can can be a reporter now, and they'll just throw out a source, and it, it might not go under the rigorous um, vetting that you know Darren just talked about, and and then next thing you know, you have things like QAnon because Q is originally a unnamed source in the government and people want to believe it so it grows and becomes you know a very dangerous conspiracy theory and i i I don't know what you do i don't know i guess it really has to be a pretty damn important story to go forward with with unnamed sources is
3: the atlantic story important i i don't
2: think Uh, you know what that that's a fair question i don't maybe i'm cynical i don't think the atlantic story changes anybody's opinion on trump whatsoever I i just don't I don't, but I'm not a, I'm not a military. You're, you came from a military family. Does that, well, your opinion of him wasn't too high to begin with. I'm just,
3: <laughs> no, it doesn't change my mind on him because it, it's just, I mean, this is kind of how he talked, right? I mean, he, he said things that are similar to this and he, he insults people. It's just what he does. So I, I it didn't, it's not shocking at all. Actually. It you want to know how,
2: how I took those, the, the main comments regarding not, not all the other things. Cause there, there was more than just the one comment about being suckers and losers. I originally took it as, oh, that's just a really bad, stupid joke. Like, I think he was joking. It's not a thing to joke about. I wouldn't joke about it, and I'm not the president. But I, maybe that's just where I am personally with, with the president.
3: Or maybe it's just, I mean, every, a lot of things are transactional to him. You know, you've heard that sure. word a lot, right? I mean, that's kind of how he sees the about world. Money. A lot of people do. Exactly. And so, I don't know.
1: Wasn't I think his but- comments
2: about McCain bothered me more, to tell you the truth.
1: And that wasn't news. I mean, you're right. Well, how about? I mean, there there were people who he'd report he'd said that back in 1999. He said it back in 2016. So I mean,
3: well, he called uh, Carly Fiorina the. Oh yeah, the the horse face. Fiorina, Fiorina, horse face. That uh, and look, I don't want to get off on Trump here, but 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 that alone would have ended anybody else. That one thing. I guess she would not have been my first choice. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Believe me, Uh, I think. Oh yeah, right, exactly. It, It just. How does he feel
2: about
1: Sarah Jessica Parker?
3: I think the question is, though, is that article – I mean, how important is that article? They seem to think it's pretty important. But forgetting what he said and all of that, uh, to Mike's point, those sources, that had to be vetted sure. all the way up to the top of that magazine. And and I know that magazine is seen by some on the right as, as a lefty magazine. I've always seen it as sort of a moderate magazine. When I was younger, to me, it was a center-right magazine. Maybe not now, but they have plenty of conservative writers. Yes. If you look at the, if the list of who writes well, for them, it's pretty mixed. Therein lies the problem. And similar to the email ML
2: received, where the guy just looks at the pictures, if you don't look at the whole entity and the other reporting they do, yeah, you're going to get a skewed vision. If you don't read a whole article, you're going to get a skewed vision based on a headline, which, you know, sometimes is the fault of the people that write the headlines. But ultimately, I've always maintained that it's kind of the fault of the consumer of it.
3: Yeah, to me, that magazine's rare, right, Mike? I mean, they're one of the few entities out there, media entities out there, that tries to have different voices from different parts of the political spectrum. Yeah, and yeah, they I'm, probably make no
1: money. I'm not as You're familiar right. uh, with The Atlantic, um, but, uh, but I think one of their conservative writers is David Frum, right? Yes. Well, yeah. he hates the hell out of Donald Trump, so now he's now he's not a conservative writer. Even well, no, though he's
3: still a conservative, he, he's right. a
1: very conser- He's the guy who came up with the Axis of Eagle Ex- Evil exactly. for, for George W. Bush, but but he uh, he doesn't like Trump, so I guess he can't be a conservative anymore. But that's a whole other discussion where the conservative movement is headed. But I, I think I think that the, the crux of this issue is that people feel that reporters say, "I've got an anonymous source." Yippee. And really, as Darren talked about with the Detroit News, when you have an anonymous source, it's almost it's almost acknowledging defeat. It's it this. I can't get somebody to go on the record with this, but we know it's true, we think it's important, and we're going to allow somebody to undermine our reporting by not putting somebody's name to it. And and I, uh, you know, one of my 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 biggest concerns about investigative reporting. Is that almost everybody who does investigative reporting in this town looks exactly like me, probably better, but but they're all white Whoa. folks. And one of the one of the, the problems that I always had at Fox too is my stories, the first attack on those stories would be, you're only going after those people because they don't look like you. And I've always wondered if I look differently, would we then get to the topic? At hand, But I know from the work that Darcy McConnell did at the Detroit News, and I'm sure, Darren, you've had to deal with this too, then what people say is, well, then you're a sellout because they're always going to attack the story. But they're not going to attack the story. They're going to attack everything around the story to try and undermine the story. And so when you go ahead with an anonymous source, you're just giving the people who want to take away its credibility the first and biggest stick they can find to beat the shit out of you. But, but I will say anonymous sources... You know, we uh, we had anonymous sources who helped us get the text messages, and I think people felt pretty good about that story.
4: Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do
6: that? What
4: a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into a cool guy? If
1: you're keeping track at home, that was the fourth Kwame Kilpatrick say, message yeah. in this week's episode of ML Soul of Detroit. Thank you. I wish we had a little bell. Maybe we should, <laughs> we can we get we one. should bring that in. But uh, the only thing I like more than Kwame Kilpatrick stories, okay.
3: Or stories about yourself.
1: Like the, the, the only thing. that
3: goes a weird segue. The, uh,
1: the, sec, the thing I like almost as much as stories about Kwame Kilpatrick is the butchery. It's my favorite butcher shop. And the place to go for prime meats. It's the butchery on Orchard Lake Road, just west of Middle Belt. Go in this week and spend fifty dollars or more, and tell them ML sent you, and the butchery will give you a free pound of breakfast sausage links. All their sausages made. You, are you ringing a bell for Kilpatrick and I, sausage? I, that, because they are interchangeable.
2: That time I did it for a third person reference.
1: Okay, because because uh, uh, Kilpatrick did. Uh, he hit a lot of sausage just now. That's
3: five. Done. And by the way, I'm sorry I haven't kept track today or <laughs> said <anything. laughs>
1: All their sauces made in-house from scratch by Chef Dave and Matt Jennings. Go to butchery.com to see all their amazing selections and follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to see what Chef Dave is carving up every single day. 248-682-COWS is their number. That's 248-682. By the way, last week I misspelled COWS. It is C O W S I. <laughs> you did? I didn't even catch it. You did. I, I, for, I forgot the vowel, so it's two four eight six eight two C O W S. We are still going to charge you for that ad, Chef Dave. I, I think of all the um, missed calls. They, they, I know this. No, you're just sitting on the line. You're like, uh huh. It's not ringing. Yeah. It's not ringing. Anyways, two four eight six eight two C O W S. Think of it as college official World Series, if that helps. No, probably it doesn't, doesn't.
2: It makes it worse. Okay, most sorry. people know how to spell it.
1: Okay, uh, well, <laughs> not everyone apparently I said most. They even have small private cooking classes with Chef Dave and Chef Julie Hubbard. Check them out; it's worth the drive. I promise. You can call too if you want, but make sure when you get there or when you call to tell them that ML sent you or transferred your call. I guess That's us be. Cromie Kilpatrick. Um, so anyways, uh, it's time for our Geek of the Week. And, uh, I, you know, being someone who is sort of modest, likes to share the spotlight, I thought I'd invite my colleagues to, uh, to name their own geeks, Sean. Um,
3: I'd like you to go first. Me? Actually, yeah.
1: Now you're, now you're giving orders?
3: I said I'd like you to. That's you give not these a guys order.
1: an inch and they take a kilometer.
3: Just do it, man about Mark, that?
1: Mark, you, is I'll this...
3: go first, then, just to move it
2: along. Um, the George Washington University professor, her name's Jessica Krug. She came out, wrote a, um, I guess it's an editorial or an op-ed saying that, oh, it's crazy, I've been teaching all these classes on what it means to be black and the history of, of black people, and I'm not black. I'm actually a white person who's been posing and, and claiming black identity. Uh, it's a really weird. It's, it's similar to Rachel Dolezal, I guess, maybe, this woman's not getting attacked as much because she's second after Rachel Dolazel, and because she came out and I outed herself, I guess she's lost her job. Uh, it's just really weird. I kind of wanted Darren's opinion because you know, you're black Darren in case you haven't looked in a mirror today. Um, and what you thought about,
1: he could be watching on Facebook live. What Jessica
2: <laughs> came out and said,
4: do you, do you have any I, I opinion think, on it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, Uh, a part of the reason why she didn't face a whole lot of backlash is because all of the things that are going on now, um, she did it in the middle of a pandemic, right? Uh, People have more things on their agenda. They want, they're in the middle of uh, deciding on Donald Trump. Um, And, you know, and during, you know, Labor Day, close to being Labor Day weekend. And so I just think people looked at it. They were like, oh, no, not again, and and they just got out of that story.
2: She's written a lot of um, essays and books, and I'm just kind of wondering, uh, have you ever read anything she's wrote, first of all? I have not. Would would you be interested Um, in reading something now from uh, that perspective, knowing knowing where she was?
4: Well, I I mean, I don't think that that Black history is confined to just Black people. I mean, so her studies and her work and what she said Um, doesn't negate it because she's white. Um. So. So. Yeah. I would read her stuff, but you know, in terms of passing for who you are, that's deep in African American culture because you had people, you know, uh, you know, hundred, two hundred years ago that they were passing in order to live. Sure. That fair-skinned black people um were passing in order to live, and so it gets to that issue. So. Um, very rare, terms,
2: very um, rare to go the other way though.
4: Right. Yeah. You, you very rarely got it the other way, but you know, um, does it negate her work? I don't necessarily think it negates her work because she did study it. Um, she clearly was an expert in what she did. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't think it really negates it, but I don't think anybody's going to be running to Amazon to buy her stuff. <laughs>
2: um, ML, do you want to go with your, uh, your nominee?
1: Yeah, I hope she doesn't try and turn this into a new book, like my confession or something. She might. But, uh, well, I guess I guess she might. falling on the sword has become very profitable in this country. Um, in deference to my union brother, I am going to go next. Uh, Andrew Christensen is my Geek of the Week. He exposed the following scandal during the pro- public comment session of the Lincoln-Nebraska City Council meeting on August 31st. Mr. Christensen stood up and said, we have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning. Sorry, I'm uh, trying to push the, the swag here during the segment. Yeah, his
2: the, the, gator is falling off his face.
1: No, I guarantee it won't <laughs> fall off your face. Um, what? This one's... I modified this for superhero use. Anyways, um, <laughs> and uh, and so Mr. Christensen says that... Um, That people are uh, throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning, treating things as though they're normal. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. And what is he so exercised about? I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we, as a city, remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. So Christensen was contacted by the Washington Post, and he told them he was 100% serious and 100% nuts, adding that the country is dealing with so many complex and important issues that we might not ever accomplish them in this generation. It is imperative, especially right now with how everybody is feeling in the global climate, that we have a win. I thought we were going to be so sick of winning by now. Okay, sorry. We need to have an issue that we can accomplish We can accomplish it it quickly, and this is it. Among his rationale for taking up this weighty issue, boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. It's just what's expected. Now, among those who applauded his call for action was his father, Roy, who serves on the Lincoln City Council and has done so since 2013. Roy tells us proudly. My take personally is that this is too big an issue for the small stage of the Lincoln City Council. Maybe we should just kick it up to the Department of Agriculture. Meanwhile, in Lincoln, the elder Christensen said lawmakers are taking the matter under
6: advisement.
1: So uh, he's cut from the same cloth, geek of the week, and... And Dad, a very moving story from the uh, fair city of did, Lincoln, Nebraska. Did
2: you watch the video where he, when he presented? Because I think my favorite part is when someone started to laugh and he he shushed them and quieted them to show how serious he was about the whole yeah. situation.
1: I did not watch it, but I understand it went on for like five minutes. It was
2: really, really long you know, and a complete waste of time.
1: Now you got people going to Detroit City Council who say my water's been shut off, and I think there may be corruption in City Hall. And after a minute and a half, like time, time. Well, Sit down, time. <laughs> and this guy goes on for five minutes about freeing chicken wings?
2: Lincoln.
3: Yeah, nothing else going on. Sean? It's not. Actually, uh, yeah, okay. I- I'm going to nominate Mike for my Geek of the Week because he's a journalist. <laughs> just- and Because when he was young, I'm guessing he read Strunk and White, which is a book that helps uh, journalists, budding journalists, with grammar and how to write. And, and one of the main points of this book is to call things as they are, is to use as stripped down and plain and simple language as we can use. You learn that in in journalism school. You learn it the minute you get to a newspaper. And here he is taking down someone who is advocating for using plain, stripped down, simple language. Wings have bones in them. That's it. If there are no bones, then it's something else. It's processed meat. It's like a fucking McRib. (laughs) Although I do kind of like a McRib. Everyone does. Right? Is it really from a rib? No, of course it's not. It's Close some up. other part. It may not even be pork. Close enough. But so wait what- a minute!
1: I thought you said call things what they are.
3: I'm. I'm right. A McRib should is uh, not should be a McRib oh, yeah, 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 saying, yeah, yeah, i like but I like the yeah. The point is, <laughs> don't my hit the man, wall backpedaling. You sit here. You've got a show built around what you say is truth, and calling things that they are, and using language that's not lawyered up. And you're gonna make fun of some guy. Yes, he had hair down to his shoulder, and probably no hair on the top. I don't know. I'm not judging. I don't have any hair either. My point is, you base your life on this, and you're going to make fun of some guy who's trying to do the very same thing you're doing. You, my friend, and I love you, brother, are the geek of the week.
5: The kids are soft. I don't care for that guy. Me neither. Too soft.
7: I'm going to pretend like you need to just make my dick go
4: soft.
1: Now, uh... Strunk and white, Um, Sean, you may recall one of the the main messages in that book uh, is omit needless words.
3: You didn't listen to that either, did you?
1: No, but you claimed (laughs) to have read the damn thing. I only claimed to have owned it. Well, uh, we're back in your intro. Go ahead. uh, uh, Strunk and White, if you recognize the name White, it's because it's E.B. White who wrote Charlotte's Web and wasn't a great writer um, of his day, and a leading academic of his day who is still held in high regard uh, to this day, uh, which has nothing to do with Matt Jennings whatsoever. (laughs) He's just some guy who talks about history.
2: Where are you, guess, Matt? Matt, set the stage for uh, people that aren't watching. Where exactly are you? Because you're not in your rig. I, you were in your rig earlier.
7: I am. Yeah, I was not in my, I'm not in my rig now because there's no data anywhere I'm at because Sprint sucks. I'm at a Starbucks on Zebroad Road where you grew up oh at. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, just right outside Ann Arbor. And I'm next to very loud espresso machines and a couple of people that just walked in that is having a very loud conversation, well, let so him, I'm hoping that everybody can hear me.
1: Let them stare at you. So Don't it's it's it. it's probably embarrassing the longer you have to sit there, right? <laughs> no, no, it's not embarrassing. It's just a nightmare because I want to make
7: sure that I at least sound okay when people are listening. We you know, know, it's driving me up a
1: wall. <laughs> we can hear you know t- who can help with your nightmares? I know. If, if you're trying to refinance, that'd be David Hall and oh, Hall Financial. Oh, that's Freud. right. <laughs> the, the team is working around the clock to help people save money by refinancing Matt. And it's a great time to look at your options, and that's why many people are refinancing right now. Are, are you? Have you considered refinancing? No, I enjoy
7: renting. That way, I know I'm
1: throwing my money
7: my money away properly.
1: Oh well, if if you hadn't refinanced and you were thinking about it, in the last year, Hall Financial is here to help. They uh, they lower payments and they help you keep some extra money in your pocket. So if you're thinking about refinancing, maybe you maybe you could finance in the first place and buy yourself a crib. Maybe. Maybe a shed somewhere to crawl into um, when it's, when it's <laughs> Maybe wet. Maybe something with good connections. Cold, whatever, you know, whatever. It, it's just something to think about. Um, they could probably help you purchase a router or something. But if you're worried <laughs> that uh, your house can't be appraised, don't oh, worry. They're going to take care of it. These guys, they don't mess around. Hall Financial Services, fastest in the business. That's why they have nearly or more than more than 1,800 five-star reviews from Michigan homeowners, including myself, which, I don't know, drunk and White, myself, whom? Never mind. Uh, go to our it's webpage a, and click, at? There it is. <laughs> click on the logo. to get. There's lots of dings in here, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, myself, that uh, and, should uh, be a ding. Get started or call my man, Dan Morrison, at 248-308-5000. He is so busy, he might not be able to take your call. Insist. Say, get Dan on the phone now. 248-308-5000, Hall Financial, lower payments, better options, more personal attention, and when you call them, and when you contact any of our sponsors, be sure to let them know that ML sent you. And MLS one four six seven four three five. Are you ready, history Get man? Get it done. I am ready.
3: I like that you're going to perform in front of the folks there at Starbucks.
1: Good. I know. I just put
7: my tap dancing shoes on. Good. Do it. Okay. Now it just sounds like I'm walking like ML. In 1974, Whoa. President...
2: Oh no! That's ah, there, and there goes his internet. Right, ah! as it, it was almost on cue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you serious? It, it did. You totally froze up. All right,
1: that's what you get uh, for back? talking ill.
2: That's the funniest thing you've ever done, man. It is. Okay, on <laughs> to the
3: next one, Matt. Forget that one.
7: <laughs> All right, you ready? Yes. Are we good? Yes. Okay. We, In we, 1974, please, President please. Gerald Ford pardon Richard Nixon. Because he wanted to end the national divisions created by the Watergate scandal. And it's sad because politicians today would say ending national divisions is a terrible idea.
2: Does anybody
7: know what you call a a, a politician in
2: a zoo, right? Uh, No, I don't. What? Panda bear. Oh Oh, boy. Oh boy. That was terrible. You know, in
1: a. in 1992, when I got back from Ireland, <laughs> such a jerk. The only time I've been involved in a political campaign as an adult, I volunteered oh, cool. <laughs> to help out Paul Songis, who coined the term "Pander Bear" for uh, Bill Clinton. Oh,
7: and that's
1: very uh, interesting. I, I, I put flyers all over the campus at, at U of M, and at the end of it, the the uh, the uh, what do they call them, The ground crew, the way team, whatever, the field team were so impressed with my efforts that they put me in line to shake Paul Songus's hand when he came in to get ready for his address to students. And he had a large brown shopping bag hmm. that somebody handed us. And we said, what's in it? And they said, it's Paul Songus's Long John's. Because he'd just wow. flown in from out oh. east where it was Songus. really cold. And uh, So he took him out. How did all your hard work do for his election? Uh, well, after that event, they they were so impressed. They with dropped me, out. <laughs> they invited me out to dinner. <laughs> they sung my praises. They said uh, we want to put you on the road to help us out. And I said, I said, fiscally conservative, uh, socially liberal, libertarian uh, type of candidate. That's my kind of guy. So I dropped off my resume at I think it was the Dearborn Hyatt Regency. The next morning, expected oh, so to right? get a phone call. And uh, one of the guys who was running their field operations had been talking about how uh, the Clinton people had come to him, but they, they didn't give him the title he wanted, so he, he figured he'd show them, so he's going to run Songus' field operation. He was going to take Clinton out and, you know, the hell with Clinton, Songus is the guy, and blah, 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 blah. Well, the next day I drop off my resume...
2: The next sorry, day, sorry
1: by the way. The next day, Paul Songus drops Thanks out so. of the race, and the next day, I see <laughs> that guy day. on C-SPAN working for Bill Clinton saying how great Bill Clinton uh, is, and that's why he's going to get Bill Clinton elected president of the United <laughs> States. So uh, that's politics for you. Yep. Wow. Wow. Pander Bear. I'm
7: going to throw my laptop in the garbage after that one.
1: <laughs> and when he <laughs> said <laughs> Pander Bear, he had that little tick. His mouth would like stretch out. Like, <sighs> You're giving us all ticks right now. All right, next, Matt. All right, 1996, <laughs> rapper Tupac Shakur was shot
7: multiple oh, times boy. in a drive-by shooting in Las Vegas, and it obviously killed him. I mean, those bullets were like poker players, all in.
6: Oh.
2: Too soon. <laughs> well, not too no, soon. No, not at all. It's not funny.
7: Okay. Did- oh, it was very funny, and I think that drive-by <laughs> shooting involved shotguns, and the worst of the shotguns was the wedding of Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra. Oh, was that oh. the same weekend? I don't fucking. I think it was around (laughs) the same time.
1: (laughs) Just uh, before we get before we you know after every show we have kind of a post mortem. uh, I just want to uh, uh, kill the Biggie Smalls joke for next week.
7: I almost put one in. That's
2: it. Is that was that your last one or are you going out? He's got another
7: joke. One more. One more. Sorry, Mark. Not going out with that bang. Okay. In 2018, Thomas Cook Airlines became the worst airline company to ever fly with. I mean, the quality of the service is so bad, people were getting airsick. And it wasn't for motion sickness. They were just leaving a review.
2: Order up! I don't hear anybody in Starbucks laughing, Matt.
7: Um, I don't hear anybody on the show laughing either. <laughs> can you Fair enough. Can you, can,
2: you turn, uh, can you turn your camera? I just want to see the rest for, of the audience there. Forgive us, yeah. Darren. Let's see. As Matt turns the camera... Um, and there's like 3 people there. So that's God. not even that many people. They're not socially no. distancing either.
1: Yeah, so that's 7 people who aren't laughing. That's okay.
2: <laughs> well, you'll forget all the people uh, online. Or the too.
1: baristas. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I hate
2: my life. <laughs> we love you,
6: Matt. We <laughs> get there's an all night party 7609.
1: Time. uh just come to the late bar and get your dopo tropo caramel macchiato uh you know, with our nasty email segment, we left out this one from Matt, who sent us. He said his favorite hate message was, "Or you could just, you know, shut the f up. It's bad enough we got to see your dumbass smirk what? on ML show. <laughs> Give it up, douchebag! LOL." Wow, Jeez. so wow. that was
6: was kind.
1: Lots Matt, of... you just, you just. You just keep slugging away, their little pard. It's, it's, I know I will, and I'll tell my mom not to be so mean next time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. All right, I gotta go, be guys. Safe. Are, I love you guys. You know, I would just tell her you'd settle for her changing the locks back, but that's fine. Um, anyways, it is B sides month this this month in room seven six zero nine. Uh, last week, again, setting off some furious debate with listeners over whether XTC is really a new wave band. I argue they are because of the content of their character and the content of their songs. But there's no debate about this week's guest being a new wave pillar. It's Depeche Mode with the B-side to Personal Jesus, a little tune that they call Dangerous.
6: For my health The moves you make You make for yourself The means you use Aren't meant to confuse Although they do They're the ones that I would choose And I wouldn't want it Any other way You wouldn't let me anyway Dangerous i you a
1: Somebody thought this was not a hit. Uh, what A&R man <laughs> shit the bed on that one? I mean, I, I was in, this weekend, I was in Muskegon listening to Q95, or 94.5, and they played this. This was the Depeche Mode 2, and they played. What, what do they usually play on that station? It's a weird station, so I canceled... Uh, um, uh, XM uh, to save some dough during the pandemic. Yeah, and um, and uh, th- they say we we do it differently. And not long after that, these guys, these guys were like channeling Room 7609. Two songs after they played "Dangerous" by Depeche Mode, mm-hmm. they played a cover of "Love Will Tear Us Apart." uh the joy division classic but it yeah. was played by a band you would never expect and we will play that next month on room 7609 just to uh, to toss ahead
2: but um well, as, as a lover of radio I I like that a station is doing something different because so often it's just the same 100 songs on shuffle
1: oh yeah no and it, it's a cumulus station so you know that they they have somebody you know doing uh, all the math to figure out what you're most likely to listen to but I don't know eh. I don't know what formula they're using to go from a Depeche Mode B-side to a a uh, uh, a Joy Division cover song, I mean, it was it was it was amazing, but it, it just kind of drives home that if some programmer in the western part of Michigan says you get to play one Depeche Mode song this hour, and you're going to play Dangerous, how the hell is it that uh, that uh, that Capital or EMI or whoever Depeche Mode is with? Didn't see this as a hit. Now, it was it was the B-side on Personal Jesus, which is the biggest song Depeche Mode has ever done. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, these lyrics, the things you do aren't good for my health, the moves you make, you make for yourself, the means you use aren't meant to confuse, although they do, they're the ones that I would choose. Damn! I mean, that's, that's solid gold. The lies you tell aren't meant to deceive. They're not there for me to believe. I've heard, and this is a reference to Sean, your vicious words... You know by now, it takes a lot to see me hurt. But Sean, I couldn't take it any other way. If there's a price I have to pay, that's I'm sorry. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's it doesn't get any better than that.
2: They have an incredibly distinct sound. I mean, you know Depeche Mode when you hear it. Do uh, they do they have two lead singers or just uh, what's the main guy's name?
1: Dave Gahan. Gahan. Sometimes. Uh, Martin Gore will sing a song but I think it's mainly because every once in a while they have a band meeting and Martin Gore's like you know I wrote all these songs I'd like to sing one sometime and Dave's like I've got this song you just <laughs> sit aside and <laughs> he's like uh, I, wrote, I spent a lot, lot I was up late writing that song
2: Have you read his book Gahan's book? It's no. supposed to be really good I mean the guy's led a, an insane crazy life uh,
1: Yeah well he was kind of like snatched from obscurity right and then Joined what was already a, a pretty strong outfit and then proceeded to become this major sex. I mean, he's got a great set of pipes. He's very charismatic, but then became this major figure. And then I think the rock and roll mm. lifestyle got to him and I, I know Always he struggled does. with depression and suicide attempts and stuff like that. I mean I want to say heroin too. Yes. Oh yeah. No he lots and lots he, of heroin. He rode the white horse. But yeah, quite a quite a uh quite a story for Mr. Ghan. But um good choice man. I I liked it. I oh like yeah. It. No I, I love this one. And and one of the things this was from um an album that kind of redefined Depeche mode because prior to personal jesus they hadn't really done much with remixes and from that point on tons of remixes there's a couple of really good remixes of dangerous there's a sensual mix and there's like a has mix that aren't bad but personal jesus has you know the acoustic mm-hmm. version and just so many great variations on that song that you could you could actually get a disc with 10 versions of Personal Jesus and listen to it and just feel like you had a whole complete album when it's really just one, one song that people have uh, put their mark on. So uh, so we will continue to play B-Sides all month here on Room 7609. They
2: are also one of the few um, new wave bands that are... They're actually in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too.
1: Oh, yeah. and and not, um, not many of them are. And I think... As successful as, as they've been, I think Personal Jesus is their only number one hit. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, no, they, they're they great. And uh, has, is New Order in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, boy, that's
2: a good question. I don't know. The Cure. Let me look it up real quick.
1: I mean, some of these. Uh, yeah, the but that,
2: those are all, well, naturally, fairly
1: recently. The Smiths, I would think, have got to be in of there. Of course you do. I mean, if you're putting the pretenders in, you got to put all these other guys in. I mean, come on. So uh, so please send your nominations to ML. Soul of Detroit at Gmail.com. I've been getting a lot of great cover tunes, which we'll get to next month, but we still have a couple of weeks to get some of your favorite B sides on here. Um, and uh, of course, let us know what you think of our selections and let us know what you think about the show in general. You can write us at ML Soul No, no, ML Soul of Detroit at Gmail.com. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll also take your calls to uh, our phone number, three. One three two eight eight nine zero seven zero. If we play some of your messages, maybe you'll leave some for us. So, so here, so far is a love letter of, uh, of a, a audio love letter from one of our loyal followers.
2: Oh, I thought we were beyond that. I gotta find it now. Oh damn it! Sorry. Oh, we've only been here three or four hours,
3: so.
1: <laughs> 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 well, Sean, when you want my and I, you know what? what, I do have an email oh, now hi. too, guys. What? Oh, Matt's back.
3: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, are you gonna yeah. Tell I us?
7: have an email now too. It's called softdetroit at gmail.com. Anybody wants to send me hate mail or in
2: in, in pure ma- in pure Matt fashion, you totally dropped out while giving that address. Soft
7: of Detroit at gmail.com.
2: Soft of Detroit at gmail.com. Here, so- here's uh, here's one of the messages to cool. the uh, to the line.
6: Colin was praised
1: for ML and Mark. That's fine. And face from Matt And Joe. you to my
2: friends. I guess sounds really, really familiar. the
1: right thing to do?
2: Sounds very familiar. And then here's the most recent message
0: The moment you receive this message, you are required to get back to us on our department's division number. That is 628 Apparently, you're in trouble with the Social Security six Department. 6609. I repeat: oh. 628 Two six
1: zero. So you might want to take care of that, ML. That that's why I've protected all of our assets in an LLC.
2: How so. do we get a spam call on a <laughs> on a voice line that's internet? I
1: whatever. How is it we've been pushing this line for over a year, and the only all calls nice, we have us. are from me and from <laughs> some witch who's trying to uh, to uh, to fraudster us. It's Here's not- another one. Hang on. Hey,
2: ML. You're doing a great job, man. Keep up the good work.
1: Like to hear more of your podcast. Have a good day. <laughs> How are you related to that person? That's the general manager at Fox Two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's what's the timestamp on that? It's like uh <laughs> Uh, uh, now that we got your broke ass out of the building, uh, you know, okay, good luck with all future... Into- In fact, by the way, I keep getting LinkedIn messages for the past week saying, congratulations on your anniversary. Congratulations on your anniversary. <laughs> like, anniversary actually, from what? Well, for uh, Fox 2. It's my eighth Fox anniversary. I'm of, oh. of starting at Fox 2. I'm like, oh. Wow well, uh, Happy anniversary. I'm, I'm glad you've been keeping up with current events, but... Uh- they
7: watch Fox 2 just as much as they read the free press, apparently.
1: Oh, God. I... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, it's definitely not Santo. He's definitely a free press reader. Hopefully he's a subscriber. Uh, at any rate, we um, we appreciate you uh, spending this time with us. Um, we also appreciate it if maybe you reach into your pocket and throw a few shekels our way. Matt, uh, Mark, how do how do
2: they do that? com little donate button right on the top.
1: So if you go there and you donate at least $20 to the show and you put something in the notes section we will read that message. It's a little program we call Cami Soul. So if you do that, you could do something like, uh, like, um, uh, I, you know, say, Hey guys, could you just read this on the show? Cause my, my mom's birthday is coming up and say something like, uh, Hey uh, mom, it's uh, ML, Mark, Sean, uh, Matt, Joe, and uh, Darren occasionally uh, calling to wish you a happy birthday. Um, you know that lamp that was busted. Um, uh, that really was your son is ready to commit. That it was it was him who busted it, and um, and that boyfriend that you didn't see after that, whose throat was slashed with a jagged piece of ceramic. That was that was from the lamp what, that what he busted. What kind of birthday greeting and, is that? Oh my and he, Christ! Um, <laughs> and he he was the one who used that ceramic to. Slit the throat of the man who you thought would Sean, return well, Sean, you. Sean, what was that thing you said about less using less words? Who would bring love back into your life? Anyways, happy birthday, mom. So
3: it, it gets that gets nowhere. It, nobody listens.
1: The beauty of that is is you unburden your soul, but it's not a direct confession, so it cannot be used against you in court. Although it may provide oh police with some leads. Anyways, happy birthday to him. I don't care.
2: That's the best birthday greeting yeah. in the history of greetings. Is that's that,
1: right, it is. Is that Bobcat Goldthright?
2: No. Oh. It's the great one, Stephen A. Smith.
1: Oh, Stephen A. Smith. Oh, okay. So that's how okay. came. So maybe you want something a little lighter. I don't know. It's really, it's up to you. Bow. So uh, so that's, that's, that's kind of how it works. Uh, we do want to thank some of our donors last week, Alberto, Dave, and Joe, who says, Hello, I enjoy the show and oh, wanted yeah. to help out. Thank, thank you. you all for giving your time to make my ride better. I will donate when I can. So thank you, Joe. You're a man of your word. So we appreciate that. We also have lots of really cool new swag on the website. You can get our Room 7609 keychains. They are very cheap. They're very cool. And they let everybody know that you have great taste in music. We also have our masks, which are triple ply, which is exactly what the authorities say you need to stay safe out there. Make sure you wash them every day. That's also they say. People forget to do that. <laughs> We have our gaiters.
2: Oh, you have a lot of orders, man.
1: Well, I'm just yes. It's science. It's science. Our gaiters are great. If you're worried about effectiveness, I suggest you double them over. And we're thinking about adding a hoodie to, uh, to the shop and maybe, uh, maybe nice. a, uh, a winter cap. So if you have any thoughts on that, please let us know what you'd like to see there. Um, Sean, what what are you working on? Any anything coming up this week? Now I, that you're off furlough,
3: I have a question for you. What day is it? Is it Wednesday yet? <laughs> it's
1: it's we're, we're working our way to Wednesday. We're just going to post this right away. Okay.
3: No, I'm just getting back in the swing. You know, we you have, the Lions are coming up. Can you believe it?
2: I you know what? I love the fact that the NFL season is starting without a preseason
3: because that was always my favorite thing about exactly. college football.
2: You never knew what you're going to get with a team.
3: Yeah, the That's... Lions are coming up. They're App opening. Sunday at Fort Field against I think the Bears and then I'm actually going to go on the road for the oh, yeah, first yeah. time in six months. I'm going to Green oh, Bay right. and then to Phoenix I think. So we'll see. Yeah, I'll fly cross country with a mask on. We'll see what that's yeah.
1: like. So, sounds like D.B. Uh, Cooper. Yeah, that's what I'll, it sounds uh, like.
3: Yeah, I'll put on, uh, you know, Mike's show and, um, it and should, before that you it know it, you'll be in Arizona. <laughs> I'll be in Phoenix and then I'll have, you know, the rest of it to listen to on the way back. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I hope there's no accidents. There. Hey, Darren, uh, what, what's what's coming up uh, with you and the, and the Free Press? Any any columns in the works?
4: Nope, not this week. Uh, but what I am gonna do is uh, I'm gonna chase down why the name of a chicken nugget. Why are chicken nuggets <laughs> called chicken nuggets when they're not chicken? Just
1: be well. careful. That's great. <laughs> Very controversial, yeah. but uh, you Careful know, when how you, you type that, when you find Darren's work in the free press, just, just, what's happening? It's my show. That, that was Matt's is, best joke. This is, <laughs> believe me, AML payback's
2: a bitch, man.
3: Okay, don't ruin, hey, the, joke.
2: Don't ruin here the joke. Here he is.
3: <laughs> Boy, yeah, go out on a high note, man. Come on, Matt. <laughs> Zip it. Don't ruin the joke. <laughs>
1: Let me just say, if this was really oh, my Christ. show, it would be completely different. It would be of this,
3: longer. <laughs> By the way, Darren, that is none an awesome topic. None of this shit topic. would
1: be going on. Um,
3: <laughs> Darren, seriously, do it. That's an awesome topic. By the way, when I first got, wait, going back real quickly, I'm going to pull on Elric here. God, who was in a hurry going a minute back ago? to the union uh, stuff and the strike stuff and all that. When I got offered the job the first time, one of the stories they wanted me to do was find out where ranch came from. Like, write wow. a long story on the history of ranch. The flavor. What guy in a lab coat or gal came up with it? So, maybe you could do that after that the nugget story.
4: Oh, there you go. everyone you can't have nuggets without ranch. Exactly. So, okay.
3: Exactly. Everyone can relate. There you go. Boy. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Oh,
2: you're still talking to ML? I'm sorry. Yes, yes go, go ahead,
3: ahead, Mike. That was actually quick and short to and just, vaguely interesting. As a template, maybe, for you? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Kwame? <laughs> Kwame. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, whatever Darren's writing about, somebody should be very worried about it. Because when he said uh, that the Detroit city clerk should get some help with elections, he wrote it, and so it came to be. Yeah, free.
2: that so is true. That's, yeah, right after. That's, almost
1: like the day after you wrote that. That's, that's the power of print. So, uh,
3: so no more nuggets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he might that's change right. it.
5: We'll Chickers call him Chris. something else,
3: yeah.
1: I think we ran out of Sonic Nuggets a long time ago. So please listen to the other Red Shovel Network shows. I guarantee you they'll redeem this one. There's Charlotte Duff's No BS News oh. Hour, No Filter Sports with Eli, Denny, and Bob, the Drew and Mike podcast, and of course, Soft Weekly podcast live coming from a uh, viaduct near you. Before we get to that point, I turn to Cyrus and I say, please, Calgon, take me away.
5: Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig
7: it?
0: Listen, um, I don't want you to worry about it, all right? Mr. Coleman, because I, I'll be your memory. I don't know, he's missing from the scene. Maybe he took off. Or maybe he got taken for a ride. a no. second, will she friend said she came down to drink mojitos and catch some sun. Well it looks like something caught her.) <laughs>